Hi, my name is Tracy G and I'm an inner work coach, NLP trainer and podcaster extraordinaire. Passionate about equality and a world that is more diverse and inclusive, giving each and every one of us the opportunity to be the best version of ourselves. As a biracial woman, I've experienced my fair share of discrimination in the past and come out on top. We all know that discrimination and bias still exists in the world today, and it's not always easy to know what to do about it. This podcast, All One Inclusive, is about celebrating all diversity and being proud of all that you are. I chat with inspiring guests and my friends as we share stories from news sources and listeners from all over the world who have experienced some form of discrimination firsthand. The aim is for us to be able to discuss this issue more openly so it becomes better understood by all and provide tips about what you can do to make a difference. The world may have a lot of catching up to do, but if we can imagine a more equal world, we can create change step by step, ripple by ripple. Hi, Hello, Tracy. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm really good. I'm so excited that you are our new co-host to season two of podcast All One Inclusive. So thank you, Bhavna. Well, thank you for um, thank you for inviting me. Uh, I have listened to um, many of your podcasts before, and um, and yes, yeah, it's, it's great to be able to be involved fully. Oh, I'm very excited to have you join us. It's brilliant. Thank you. And I guess, oh, we're going to say happy hump day. Happy hump day, everyone. <laughs> it's strange, isn't it? When you say happy hump day, because it's like, um, I think it was more applicable um, hump day for me when, and I don't know about anybody else but um, who's listening, but when we were working in the office, it definitely felt like a hump day because you were working obviously Monday to Friday, but you were coming into the office, you were doing your, your regular routine, so it felt more of a hump day, whereas now we're all working from home, we've got a little bit more time on our hands, we're able to um, control our, our timetables a little bit more, so it feels less of a hump day, um, mm. but, um, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely there. I know, and I, I don't mean, I'm like, I guess it's just because it's the middle of the week, but mm. I'm just trying to think, like, are there other terms that people use to describe the Wednesday, the Wednesday. It's definitely like a like a midweek kind of um, uh, pointer there. Mm. So like it's like the kind of start of a countdown for the weekend. It so. is actually, and if you think about it, you're right. So I guess people want to know how do these two know each other. <laughs> if I can remember, that is. <laughs> We probably have two different perspectives on the story. It's like when you ask when you ask any kind of two people, how did you meet? Um, you always tend to find, or sometimes you tend to find, there's, there's two different versions of the same story. True, true. So, what's your version? Uh, my version is, and again, this is like going into a memory bank here. Um, I was, I'm originally from the UK, and I've been here in Sydney for gosh, about tw- over twenty years, about twenty years now. But I did go back to the UK about um, eight years ago eight, nine years ago. And so when I returned to Sydney, I kind of had to put my life back together again and also um, look at a social scene um, and a social network. And so I remember I joined the meetup group, which is a platform, and it was the Brits meetup group because I wanted to meet lots of Brits. I wanted to meet people in my position, people who I could relate to. And so I turned up to a a Brits meetup um, on my own, and that's where I saw yourself. And uh, I don't remember the conversation in terms of the um, intro, but I remember that I was recruiting um, or previously recruited for pharmaceutical um, uh, professionals. And so in the industry, and because you were working at a pharmaceutical company, we just, I suppose, we kind of like had that common interest and that common ground. And um, and then I remember the meetup, it wasn't very good at all. It was, uh, yeah, it just, it, it just didn't feel like it. A great night and so I think we ended up leaving the group and, and having our own drink elsewhere and we've been meeting up for drinks and cocktails and uh fun and frolics ever since that's so, about it yeah that's my uh, yeah that's my version yeah no that's that's 
pretty much the same version I have. Although I did forget that we'd gone for drinks afterwards. Um, I remember this similarly. Actually, I was going to meet, like, full disclosure, please don't judge me. I was going to meet, wanting to meet a guy. Oh, I see. <laughs> I see. So there was an ulterior motive there. Yeah. There's, well, there's a motive for everybody being there. Mine yeah. happened to be, oh, maybe, you know, I could meet a, a Brit. Um, I'd have more success. Yeah, I think so, maybe that's probably, you probably hit the nail on the head about why it wasn't um, the, the, a great environment that I, I kind of perceived. Because I went in there thinking it was a social environment, but I think maybe... Um, and as it turned out, a lot of meetup groups whereby on the surface it's 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 it is a social group, but there's there is an agenda whereby you turn up and it is there is a connotation as a kind of elephant in the room around, okay, is this like a a place where you can potentially meet partners? Well, so, I think anywhere you go, any social place is a potential place to meet partners if you're single. But maybe not everyone has that agenda. Maybe some people just genuine, or maybe some people's primary agenda is just to meet people, which is reasonable, especially when you're you're new or you, you know you need to make new friends, different stages in your life. Um, and I remember being there with Joe, so we met both met Joe. Joe came. Joe was there as well. Because I don't remember meeting Joe. On that <laughs> I only remember my memory bank in my archives. Um, it's only got yourself, Tracy. Oh, so memorable. Oh, <laughs> no. Are you sure it was Joe that was there? Or maybe we'd met on a different night. No, because we only went there once together. And um and what do you know what happened though? Maybe it's because I talked to you first for the most amount of time because we did we went together and I said, right, if we're going together, this is what I said to Joe, then we can't talk to each other for the first 30 minutes to an hour. Because, you know, we're going there to meet people and we, I don't, you know, we don't want to be all clinging together and only talking to each other. So when we go, we go like we don't, not like we don't know each other, but we won't talk to each other. We'll talk to the people first. That's so, a great strategy. Yes, that's, that's what I yeah. it's Because when you're in a pair and compared to uh, if you're if you're on your own, you're probably, you probably feel less intimidated with approaching another person who's also on their own rather than someone in a already in a couple or in a group or that kind of thing. So that's that's a, that's a great strategy there, mm. for, sure, for sure. But that obviously explains why Joe wasn't in my memory back then mm. because it was, I was obviously like focused on yourself and getting to know you. And uh, maybe I wasn't even introduced to Joe on that night. Oh, you were. It was more towards the end. I'm sure she came to a drink with us as well then. Um, and there was another lady I remember meeting. That rem- that's the only I remember maybe three people from the night. Wow, you're so good. Two, <laughs> the organizer, the guy, I can't remember his name, but I remember that he organized it. And then um, a lady, because she was black, and the only black person there, that's why I remember her. And then there was another lady who was a lawyer, and I do remember getting her phone number. Um, but this is what tends to happen when I go to social things. I tend to meet women, even if the agenda, even if it's an actual intended singles night, I tend to meet women that I connect with as opposed to men. But anyway. Yeah, well, I suppose I'm on the spectrum whereby I end up meeting or end up always chatting to a person in the room, um, normally the guy. Who is only whose only agenda is to actually get with somebody. So, so unfortunately, that's been my experiences. But that hasn't put me off. Um, not necessarily meet up, but other other social events where you know I basically put myself out there mm. and get involved. Yeah, I mean, so I always have fun. I, I can't really say I've been to somewhere. I mean, I have been somewhere and it's not great. However, I've always got something out of it. I've always found my fun. Find your fun. Find your fun. It's anyway. like keeping an open mind, isn't it, really? Mm, true. And do you know what? I've just realised we haven't said Happy New Year. It's the first. Oh, of course. Yes. Happy Re- New Year. Uh, yes. Welcome 2023. Yeah. I suppose that kind of, um, it's a first hump day from 2023, is it? Or probably the second. Uh, well, it won't be the first one because I had a bit of a break and the jam. Um, but the first episode of 2023. 
here we are. Where we have a, a beautiful new host. And um, yeah, we we spoke New Year's Eve together. We had a great time for the most part. Oh yeah, yeah, it was it was good. I just uh, I I don't remember ringing in the New Year. Um, I obviously had one too many cocktails. Mm. Um, Do you remember the fireworks? Well, it wasn't the most memorable New Year's, Mm. um, but it was all self-imposed. Oh well, you were on forum. You were um, great guest, and people talk about how they enjoyed talking to you. And I saw you having a good time, other than the fact that you overdid it a bit, I'm sure. It's an excuse for me to do it all over again when I'm actually in a better state of mind, whereby I can actually introduce ringing in the new year again. Maybe I might just kind of have to reenact the whole thing again. (laughs) If you're actually, because uh, the fireworks are coming up on um, Australia Day. Um, Well, there's fireworks all the time, I find now. End of the, at the end of the month. So maybe I'll do it again, but this time I'll make sure that I'll be able to remember Okay, cool. Well, happy new year, everyone. Yeah. Mm. 2023, the new story. That's right, let's kick it off. Yeah, so this story is actually from December. I found this story previously, but I didn't have a chance to talk about it yet. The title of the story, it's a BBC News story, and the title is, As South Korea Abolishes Its Gender Ministry, Women Fight Back, and it's by Jean McKenzie. So when Yuna turned up for her first day at work as a clerk at a major bank, she was not expecting the task she would be assigned. First was to make lunch for her team. Later, she was ordered to take the hand towels from the men's toilet at home and wash them. These jobs fell to her, she was told, as the newest female member of staff. At first, she politely refused. Could the men not take their own towels home to wash? He asked her boss. But he replied incredulously, how can you expect men to wash towels? He got very angry and I realised that if I continued to fight this, the harassment would get worse. So I started washing the towels. Yuna says, but because she had complained, she was marked. As she wanders through the dark alleys of her local food market, dressed in a black baseball cap, oversized jeans and a t-shirt, she tries to disguise herself as she recounts her experience. This is a small town and she had done something she could have been fired for. She filmed everything and reported the bank to the government to be investigated. And what tipped her over the edge was not just the abuse, which grew steadily worse, but the lack of support from her female colleagues, those in their 20s like her. It's like, this is everywhere. Don't make a fuss, they had pleaded. South Korea may have blossomed into a cultural and technological powerhouse, but in its rapid transformation to one of the richest countries in the world, women have been left trailing. They are paid an average a third less than men, giving South Korea the worst gender pay gap of any rich country in the world. Men dominate politics and boardrooms. Currently, women hold just, oh my goodness, 5.8% of executive positions in South Korea's publicly listed companies. They're still expected to take on most of the housework and childcare. And to this can be added a pervasive culture of sexual harassment. And the booming tech industry has contributed to an explosion of digital sex crimes where women are filmed by tiny hidden cameras as they use the toilet or undress in changing rooms. But instead of promising to fix these problems, South Korea's new president, Yoon Suk-yeol, has said structural sexism is a thing of the past. He was obviously not, clearly. And he was propelled to power... Powered by young men who claim that attempts to reduce inequality mean they have become victims of reverse discrimination. I started to hear this quite a bit, actually, from men. Um, It's quite interesting. Is it because Um, it's threatened in some way? Honestly, I'll come back to that. I'll come back to that. So I'm going to read all the story because it's really, really, really quite a long story. Because I just want to get the main things. It just said here that six months later when... This correspondent meets Young. Um, she's no longer in the post, and she has had to leave her home because her address was leaked, and she was receiving so many death threats. The ones that stick with her, she says, are from the people who threaten to feed her acid or pour it in her face. 
It's been the hardest six months of her life, she admits, after experiencing firsthand the sexism and misogyny that pervades politics. So this is a woman who basically had her life destroyed um, because she spoke out about an experience she had in the workplace whereby um, she was given tasks, menial tasks, and she basically spoke out against against this. That's atrocious. I mean, the first of all, when you were mentioning about the uh, the task that she was given about um, giving uh, having to take home towels that the men were using, um, what kind of does it mention about? It doesn't mention what kind of industry she was working in. Where it says, yeah, it did. It says she was a clerk. Clerk in a bank. So, in which kind of employment setting do you have to wash men's towels? It must be a thing in Korea where the towels are washed. But even so, that's part of a like that's not a clerk, a job description of a clerk. I mean, you could pay someone to do that. That's right. So, so basically, it's it's there'd, there'd obviously be some kind of um, um, cleaning management in part of the in that bank structure, mm-hmm. and so she came in as a clerk, but she's basically treated as one of the cleaning staff. Yeah, that, yeah. Which is a terrible position to be in, mm-hmm. and it's a shame that it's a shame that South Korea, which they and the article suggested that, um, and also described that, you know, you know, they they are a progressive country. Yet there's still this happening, and the and the percentage of women in leadership positions is still so so very low. The opportunities are not there. Yeah, um, it's not. I suppose it also brings about that that conversation around not just South Korea but South Asia. You know, still having that stigma with women belonging in the home, and the men are the one who are or the males are the dominant ones in the workplace. It's still very much there. Mm. Um, that's what this article is reflecting and showing. Yeah, absolutely. And it seems that she is, uh, like Park Ji Hyun, is a journalist. So I don't know when, you know, that change happened. But she's become a, like a women's rights campaigner. And she's asked to lead the Liberal Opposition Party. Okay. To help reform politics and represent young women. Okay. And that's and and also you could probably I mean I don't know much about the South Korean pol- um, politicians and but I can I could probably guess that there's probably a very low percentage of the government there um, with women in um, those, those positions. Yeah, so it's not like they're, they're probably not encouraged to go into into politics because maybe because of that culture whereby women's voice aren't necessarily heard. So mm. ha- having a role um, or a chance or opportunity to go into politics where you are the voice of a nation is, is just not, um, it's not encouraged. Yeah. And actually that's where she was, that's where she started to receive death, death threats, what we just talked about. And then she talks about a despair, being the only woman in meetings, um, and when she spoke, nobody would respond, and they just literally ignored her. And she'd end up shouting in the void. And when I wanted to discuss the economy or the environment, so this is in her role as a politician now, they would say, you just focus on what you know, women's issues and sex crimes. I realised I was a puppet in this position being used to gather women's votes. So she was accepted, but with an agenda. I see, I see. So yeah. she was like, she was probably, it sounds like she was taken on as the token female to, for, for that particular bank um, to give an impression that they were actually, um, you know, they, they were basically embracing diversity in the workplace. Mm. That's what it's like. Um, mm. And it's not far off from, I mean, that's, that's not far off from what's happening on this side of the world whereby you know you do find only one or very few females in a boardroom and they've got to fight harder for their voice to be heard so yeah and discrimination i i know someone that was had some really really bad sexual discrimination at a high level and was basically told when she went to talk to you know hr about it what would you want to do if you take it any further? Your career will be ruined. So she didn't. So it's like a choice, and I mean it's true because you know if you think about the lady that's taken that guy to court, the politician, 
Brittany. Is it Brittany? Yes. Yeah. She either, I mean, the choices, I mean, I, I think she's very brave for what she's done to take it far. She didn't win, did she? She had to go, it had to be settled in a civil. Yeah, there's a settlement around it. Yeah. So, but, uh, but then, you know, noticing the touch her now, like her, her, her only thing is become an activist and a voice, continue that, um, has a, a role moving forward which I hope she does. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, I remember when I heard of a result, I was thinking to myself, other other women, other females in that similar type of situation are now going to be questioning whether or not they should speak out. Because if they're seeing that and, and seeing the, the result, and there was so much backing um, for, for Brittany, and then seeing the result, it's... I did think to myself it was disheartening because I was thinking about yeah all the other females who are in similar situations, and they they'll come you know then their voices their voices won't be heard because yeah. they uh, they won't feel that they won't see that um that example of of justice like I suppose is a word. I know it just sounds like in some places it seems to be getting worse, but anyway this this lady being interviewed and she's saying as we're talking a waitress brings over a large plate of cakes on the house thank you for fighting for us she says embarrassed and pipe laughs this has never happened before during her short time in politics she became an icon for young women who felt they had no one to represent them and in 2018 south korea spawned asia's first and most successful me too movement but in its wake a wave of anti-feminism coursed through the country fueled by young men who were concerned that in their hyper-competitive society, women were gaining the upper hand. They take issue with having to complete compulsory military service, which stops them from working for up to two years. They have succeeded in turning feminism into a dirty word, with some women now embarrassed or even afraid to use it. But more significantly, they got the president to respond to their rallying cries. Women have been deprived of their rights in the past, but a lot a lot has been resolved, says 37-year-old Legion Sok, whose idea it was to close the gender equality ministry. He led the winning party into the election, helping it attract young male votes. Gender equality has entered a new phase. We need a new system that looks beyond feminism and focuses on the rights of all minorities. So I guess that's the, the justification for closing the gender equality ministry, because it's focused on gender as opposed to but basically women and not all minorities is what their excuse is but yeah I think that's a terrible reason to close it yeah again it could, it's, it could be down to the culture in the sense that like I suppose it's it, it's the the South Asian culture it's there is still that stigma around around women so they, it's, it's it's that region's got to fight a little bit harder than everywhere else um to really to break through yeah yeah, exactly. And then there's a few stories about um, some other th- stories about women that have, have suffered, I guess. But I'm not going to really talk about, go through them all. But it's, I suppose in, the, in, in that, when you're in that type of position, you must feel really, you must feel very much alone. Like, not just going back to the boardroom, whereby mm. alone in the boardroom with mm. just your... Um, with just your perspective and then you've got to fight to for your voice to be heard but then even out of the boardroom um, when the article was saying that you know there, there wasn't any support especially from the female colleagues in the bank you know that makes it even even worse you know it should be a case of and I don't like using the word should but it's disappointing to hear that because you know as you know as females it's like you know we you know we, we basically we should be able to stick together. We should be able to appreciate each other's point of view. And it's a shame that the other female workers in the bank weren't able to support um, this, this young this young clerk. Um, mm. It must be a very lonely position to be in when you're in that boardroom fighting mm. for people to be heard. And then, then also a very lonely position outside of the boardroom because you don't know if you're going to be taken seriously if you report yourself. So, um, But that's why it's brave, right? And and this feels like because you know when you say you use words like fight, it feels almost like a war. 
and it's it's horrible to have it be in that context because you've got women some women basically standing up for the rights to um be treated with respect be treated equally and not have these um gender norms enforced on them to be safe to be free from sexual harassment and to have equal pay for equal work so and then you've got men feeling threatened like there's this threat to their livelihood and that it's not fair to them and that they're being discriminated against it becomes like a war and and then this is what it says and i feel like it's not constructive kind of need to see each other's side because now what's happening in South Korea is saying women who do not want to sacrifice their careers are now simply choosing not to have children. The South Korea's fertility rate, um, the average number of children a woman will have in a lifetime has fallen to 0.8, the lowest in the world. Well, is that because of the opportunities, the job opportunities for women in South Korea are minimized because there isn't enough structure around um, maternity leave, there isn't enough um, support around women in the workplace. I mean, yes, in the article it mentioned about um, a salary being um, significantly lower than their male counterparts, but also if they're, if they're going for opportunities and there may be a connotation that, okay, you know, there's, a, there's a starting of a family, there's family planning involved, mm. maybe they, they wouldn't get that opportunity. So maybe maybe there isn't any, maybe there, there's limited opportunities yeah women in Korea um, because of having children and mm -hmm. therefore that's now impact, impacted the economy because women in South Korea may be putting their careers first and therefore not thinking about children. Yeah well it's a probably really complex situation you're right it's probably partly that as well um, but what they're saying is you know without solving this gender equality problem and it's about gender equality equal um, support. I was having an argument with somebody who I listening to an argument, can't remember who was involved, but I'd probably have the, the argument in my head if I wasn't, where people say it can't be equal, exactly the same. It's like, that's not really what equality means. Equality means opportunities to have been given support to have equal opportunity. So if you want to work, if you've got skill and ability or potential to work in a career, and that's meaningful to you. And so I think meaningful Meaningful work is important to everyone, not just men. And I remember um, this was an argument in the in the pub up the road with this guy who okay. was very strongly talking about it was basically saying he the man has to be the provider and like men have some sort of um I forget my words out, some sort of natural desire. To be the provider, he said, men would die to provide. Like you, that's how kind of. Also, is he talking about the caveman theory? What I took away from what he was saying is that to feel valued and to feel like a man, he had to work and provide. And I said, well, that's interesting. I said, but women also feel strongly that they want to have meaningful work, not just men. Your reason might be to provide. A woman's um, meaning might just be like for me it's just to feel to have to use my brain and to feel like I'm doing something like I'm contributing um and I wouldn't feel that type of meaning from having children it would be totally different mm. so anyway that's just me yeah. but his argument was that men have this and women don't have this and that's how we're different and and now I was just getting obviously annoyed with him yeah, that definitely um, sounds like a caveman theory. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a perspective. It's a perspective. And it's his perspective. But the thing is, it's not true. Because you're talking to a woman who doesn't, who has a strong desire to have meaningful work. And actually, it wasn't just talk to me. It was my other female friend. So there you go. Not true. Um, looking at you in the face. <laughs> so, but um, it was so just that really... wasn't resolved then. <laughs> no, it was quite funny. It was actually funny because he was trying to hit on my friend who's very successful young woman, very um, ambitious right. and is going to go far and loves what that she does. That must have went down well then. Oh yeah, it's quite funny. Um, we're going back to the story because uh, we need to wrap it up soon. It's basically like how bad this closing of the gender 
equality ministry has been and what the current problems are in South Korea and how it's impacting their birth rights, essentially. And, and, And then I guess the end is that this journalist is saying, I do think over the past 10 years, equality has improved, but this is a small city and things are not changing here. The president is not looking deep enough, she said, worried that the recent gains um, could be undone. And actually, he says, if the ministry disappears, what we've built could collapse. And also it adds that Yuna, who they're talking about in Sightful, that's not actually a real name. It's been changed to protect her. Mm. So there you go. Well, maybe um, I, I mean, obviously, there's uh, there's there's change that is needed, um, but change doesn't happen overnight. You know, it's gradual. I know that you know we're talking about South Asia, and you know, hope hopefully, or maybe even South Korea would over time take lessons from from their neighbours. I know that um, I think I was reading last week in um, the um, Times of India something came up on my um, website, like a like a blog. And it was sort of the Times of India was talking about how this year their the government's focus is going to be on um, the women in India, females in India in the workplace, providing them with more opportunities. And what that looks like is that more training programs for women, more flexible working arrangements um, from a number of key employers in um, in India. Um, also looking at their recruitment campaigns like targeting and speaking and using language speaking um, to, to females to get them on board. Also providing more support around that maternity leave um, area should women uh, you know, want the opportunity to obviously t- take, take a career break um, to raise a family. So providing opportunities for females in the workplace and having the male counterparts see this actually happening will help break that stigma. Like I said, it's not gonna happen overnight, but over time, just seeing this and maybe South Korea might take a take a heed of their neighbors. And- uh, Who knows? I mean, you know, a lot of countries feel like they know what's best for their people. And I, and I found that in some of the South Asian countries, I've heard this, this idea that we're different, we're different, our culture is different, so we need different solutions. That's what, that's I've heard that quite a bit, and, and that might be true, actually. Um, but in, in this context, I don't think this is isolated. We're talking about South Korea, the story specifically about what's happened in South Korea, but I don't think it's even unique to South Korea. I think we have some of the same problems here, right here, happening. So to me, this is a reminder I, you know, it's like on a level, isn't it? You've got um, Handmaid's Tale issue right. on one end. <laughs> and then you've got on the other extreme, you've got, which how doesn't sound too bad to me, um, the, the world is ruled by women. You know, it doesn't sound too bad to me, or minorities. But actually, to me, the, the other extreme, which is my nirvana, is that nobody's even talking about equality because you've just got such a diversity. It's not even a concept. So yeah. to me, that's that's the nirvana. Um, um, probably not going to happen in my lifetime. Um, but um, we have we have problems, and it's like you can look back and point at those people. You know, look back and say, "Well, they're terrible," but we really need to get our own house in order because we are we're not great either. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how I see it. Yeah. No area, no country is perfect. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. But we are, oh gosh, we've talked a lot on this one. We need to move on. Have we? Gosh, we have. Okay, yes. Well, the article raised quite a few points. So, um, you know, there was there was reason to digress there. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a better positive story. What, what's the title? This is The Guardian. Oh, the Guardian. The headline that The Guardian um, has put is To gain respect, you need success. And that really got my attention because it's basically this headline is a quote and it's by um, a transgender um, uh, lady called Anne Jakrajutapit. Oh, wow. Well done. Well done. I that surname correctly. Um, Anne, uh, who's 43 years old, uh, this is her story. And she's one of um, Thailand's most um, well-known media moguls. 
never heard of her but then again i'm not in bangkok mm-hmm. um it's where she grew up in bangkok and um she felt like she was trapped in the wrong body and at school she faced constant bullying and stigma she tried to carefully manage her identity showing what she believed to be her true self in front of her friends and acting as a good son in front of her parents she experienced sexual harassment while still a child and it was reading a local newspaper article about Oprah Winfrey, of course, that led Anne to want to create in the media and to become a TV chat show host. A microphone seemed like a powerful weapon. Um, that's what she said. Mm. Achieving fame or business clout was the only escape to find acceptance as a transgender person, she said, because you are seen as the weird person. They don't embrace the differences she recalls. And and that's why she's brought, in order to gain respect, you need to have success. Um, And the reason why she's uh, made the headlines is because um, this week, Anne Jakra Jutapit, who is the most recognisable media tycoon in um, Thailand, she's basically bought um, the Miss Universe organisation for $20 million. this is, in his, and it says, in its 71-year history, it has been owned by a succession of men, including Donald Trump. And now Anne is the first woman to own the company. So uh, the company, um, the Miss Universe contest, it's interesting because it's recently widened its entry rules, allowing married and divorced women to participate, which I didn't know about. I just didn't know we weren't allowed in there. And also, I didn't realise this, so this is my naivety, Trans women were already allowed to take part. Didn't know that either. I didn't know that. So um, there you go. Uh, and I thought it was really interesting because, um, first of all, the headline, mm. um, the idea about uh, Anne, who is transgender, she's basically said, to gain respect, you need success. And mm. for me, I thought to myself, well, for women, does that mean it's like a chicken and an egg? Do you need respect to gain success? Or do you have to have success to gain respect? Good question. Uh, Personally, and in the line of work I do as a coach, I feel that you have to have respect for yourself first because it's respect for yourself that creates the mindset to be able to create a life that you want for yourself. So whether, if you don't respect yourself, that's never going to happen. And I understand what she's saying because I remember another story, and I don't know where I heard it, it was about Oprah, where Oprah's gone to talk to to people in a town or something that's kind of a really racist town where they're really they're really racist basically and she's talking to them and they're really friendly with her and she's asking them about their ideas and thoughts and and she and they're talking about saying really terrible things about people like you know they're murderers they're this and all this kind of stuff and she says but but I'm black and they say, yeah, but you're you, you're Oprah. And this is my interpretation. She's very successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's been in the media as this successful woman for a very long time. There's a lot. You know, she's a philanthropist. She's a beautiful soul. And she's respect- she respected because she's successful. Yeah. So yeah, it comes to this point, this leg is making. But again, in order to be successful, you have to respect yourself. Yeah, and I really, I really like that perspective um, because um, when I read that headline, you know, to gain respect, that's uh, Anne's talking about respect from others. And your respect, Tracy, is great where it says uh, you've taken that, that that word respect and turned it around and said, okay, no, it's, it's about respect for yourself. And I think the word that comes to mind is empowerment. So mm-hmm. if you empower yourself with that self-respect, then success will come. In what we in whichever form, so that's that's that's, that's really great way, a positive way of looking at that, mm-hmm. um, for sure. But um, yeah, and and it also basically the article also um, made me think about well, if this is if Anne's a transgender person and now she's now the head of the Miss Universe contest, what kind of changes will we see? Yeah, going to be I mean I did I actually like I said I did not know that um about the contest already um allows trans women to take part mm-hmm. um, I 
can't think of um uh, I can't think of a an individual that I've seen who's taken part or maybe I didn't know that they were transgender that's just the thing um and it's like you were saying previously is that you know in an ideal world you know we won't even it won't even be on our radar so maybe that's what's happened where maybe I maybe I've watched a contest in the past or I've read an article about a contest in the past and it wasn't even an issue that mm. there was a transgender contestant mm. um, actual um yeah maybe i mean interesting now i feel like i have to google that um to see but you know you're right it's like it's like um the new frontier right she's taken she's a transgender woman who has fought her way to success that's what's motivated her because she wants to feel respected so i hope she does feel respected because some people can really go you know to fight tooth and nail to to get to this place and still not feel it because I yeah. don't feel it inside. So, you know, well, that's another story. So I hope she does feel it because what level of success is enough to feel respected? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But yes. what, what frontier can she take it to now? Because like you say, you've got transgender people in there. Yeah. Was it her that put that brought the ruling for married and divorced women being allowed in there? Do you think? Um, I think it let me just uh, let's have a look so no no it wasn't it was it, well it says it's it's recently um the company which is a Miss Universe company has recently widened its entry rules so it seems as though what's happened is that the um the actual company the actual organization Miss World organization it seems to have been re relaxing um most recently and which is then therefore not that surprising that someone like Anne would come on board Buy it and buy it. It's kind of okay. I'm going to put the cat amongst the pigeons here because I like doing that. Mm. Um, because some would say, some mm. would argue that this isn't necessarily a step forward for Anne because Miss Universe in itself could be an, um, deemed an industry or an organization mm. which is not empowering women. So you could actually see it from that angle too. And I know that previously, even in the article, mm. say that um uh one of the one of the previous owners is Donald Trump's. Oh. And uh, he was uh, apparently accused of weight shaming and sexually harassing contestants. So knowing that, um with well, with that knowledge, I suppose you could counteract the argument about Miss Universe organization being demeaning to women saying that someone like Anne has now come in stepped in to now turn that perspective around maybe this is the frontier that you're talking yeah. about Anne is actually acknowledging that yes the Miss Universe organization or the connotation of Miss Universe mm. as to this point not had a great reputation for empowering women but now Anne's stepping into the forefront mm. It by um, you know taking it by yeah she's basically embracing that and and turning it around yeah I think you're right I'm thinking maybe she changed the culture of the of the the brand of where it started out you know very sexist you know misogynistic ideas about what it represents because I remember reading I think it was you know how they have like Miss Universe but in countries first and then they go to the final for the Miss Miss World, the format is not that I'm an expert. Oh, oh she's an expert. Yeah. The format is that <laughs> in each country, um, you have a number of um, different um, uh, beauty pageants from yeah. different region, and then they all compete and in their own different country. So they become a you know Miss Australia or a Miss Philippines or a Miss UK. Yeah, yeah. And they all then the next level up is when they all come together. And that's Miss Universe. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, we did we did a, a story in uh, season one of Miss UK, but she was a, I don't think she won. She was like a finalist, and she um, there was a you know they have different different areas, different regions, well, different heats. Heats. That's it. Yeah. Um, and there was this heat. I think where you. You have the option not to wear makeup and she was the only and the first person not to wear makeup in the heat so it was a story we did we talked about so that type of thing could be part of the new culture of this and actually they're gonna have to change the universe if they're allowing 
Yes. Again, again, maybe maybe that's something Anne could look into. It's interesting how you mentioned about um, there was a contestant who who took it upon herself to not wear makeup, and so in that example, you can see how a female in the a content a contestant in Burma's universe mm -hmm. uh, uh, pageant um, is basically empowering herself. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, to to stand up for what she believes in, mm. and she doesn't need to be the head of Miss Universe. But now here we see a transgender person actually stepping into the head position. Yeah. Um, do you know what I think we should do? Let's give some suggestions to Anne how she could like make yeah. this. Let's. I've got. I've got some... Yeah, and send it to a Twitter account <laughs> or to a social media platform that she uses. Yeah. Oh, some I ideas. Off the top of your head, I'm thinking more body positive images. So women of different sizes and shapes and colours should yeah. this should be that should be it should be more about who you are on the inside. Do we still have the bikini um uh swimwear suit? Swimsuit? I think there's anything wrong with swimwear? Personally, I don't. I get where it comes from. Depends what depends how what lens you view it from. You're viewing it from the lens of. This is purely about physical beauty and an idea of what that is. Or you can just view it from, because I love dressing up and getting dressed up. And so if there's different heats of different clothes and one's a swimwear, who cares, in that way. But if they have different shapes and body sizes. Because if, if again, with a swimwear suit heat, um, if they have that, then yeah, it'd be great to see different different body sizes, different body shapes. You know, you know, without it sounding like or seeming or the end result being like a Dove commercial. Um, <laughs> I like Dove commercial. It's it's like uh, yeah. I mean, I'm wondering how the, the, the Miss Universe contest will look in years' time. You know, will it resemble a cross between the Dove commercial and RuPaul's Drag Race? Yes, that would be fun. Exactly. Now, how many people would tune in to watch that? I would totally be tuning in to watch that. There you go. So the, the Ms. Universe contest will then be turned around. You know, maybe it'll be like a special Netflix. Exactly. Universe. There you go. So we've got, we'll see, we're good. She should come talk to us. Yeah, yeah that's something to look forward to. So, mm. and yeah, I think you're right, Tracy, about the suggestions. Tweet them in um, to, um, let's see her, see her name again. Anna Raju <laughs> Tatip. Yeah, exactly. Name. Find her on find her on on Twitter and uh suggestions. Yeah. All right, cool, we'll do that. All right, because uh, we're going around time. I want to give you the opportunity to an experience of what would you do? Okay, what what what's this segment? So what would you do is basically I I choose a scenario, but if you want to find scenarios and, and give them to me, that's absolutely fine. I'm happy with that. But generally I find a scenario and I put it forward to you and then you tell me what you would do and we have a discussion about it and it's obviously a scenario that is reflecting a form of bias and discrimination in the workplace it could be in the workplace it could sometimes it's not in the workplace but most of them are because I I take some of these from the lean in organization and I said I want to just repeat that these I have taken from lean in it's a fantastic organization founded by Cheryl Sandberg, who essentially is an icon for what and an ambassador for what we're doing currently. So the name of the book I read is called Leaning, and you're more than welcome to borrow it if you like. So anyway, is her? Yes, it's Cheryl Sandberg. And yes. So this is the scenario. So you are in a staffing meeting, and a coworker recommends you put one woman on each team for better diversity. Ooh. What would Ooh. you do? Okay, so would that be her only reason for putting the women on uh, as leaders um, on each team? She didn't say as leaders. She said put a woman on each team. And let's just assume that everybody's capable because why would you have yeah. these women wouldn't be employees otherwise? So let's that's that's an interesting that. question that you posed me because um, I used to be in an employment uh, position where I was putting together teams. Um, okay. projects and building teams 
And so, um, but I was never in that situation. Thankfully, I was never in that situation where I was advised or told or directed to select according to gender. Mm. As my when I was putting teams together, and this is how this is the approach I'm going to take again. I'm kind of going back into my memory bank and thinking how I doubt how I put teams together. It was all based on merit. It was mm. all based on talent, and it was also based another another factor that I remember um, that I considered when putting teams together was about progression and growth. Like when I was put when I'd be putting teams together, I'd be thinking, okay, well. If I put an individual in this particular team, is it going to be benefiting to what I'm aware of about their growth Mm -hmm. and their success and their opportunity? So for me, selection when it comes to teams is not based on gender. It's based on merit. It's based on a growth um, opportunity and it's based on talent. And and also in, in terms of personality on whether or not personalities within each team are actually uh, cohesive mm. or if there's going to be um, how I would approach that if it, if it if I was directed and it was part of my job I would push back by asking questions I'm a questioner mm. so I would push back. if that was an order or, or a, which came from my uh, my directive I would push back and I would ask why would it why why are we putting why why is it necessary to put a woman in each team great that's what you would do good okay so this is why it matters one in five women report they are often the only woman or one of the only women in the room at work these onlys have a worse experience than other women they are more likely to have their abilities challenged and be subjected to unprofessional remarks They may also experience extra pressure and scrutiny and they can feel that their actions reflect on others like them. This takes a toll. So women who are onlys are one and a half times more likely to think about leaving their jobs than women who aren't. So that's why it matters. Right. What what you could do, and this because you said, I get why I get where you're coming from, because you don't want to discriminate based on gender either way. Is that the gist of it? It's kind of interesting because I think the key word again, I think the key word for this um, for this um, episode of this podcast really has been is perspective. Mm. Answering that question, I was coming from my own perspective. I wasn't taking into a perspective. I wasn't taking into account the perspective from a, t- a team where there would only be one female, and how would that make her feel? Mm. So I think the word perspective is really coming through here. Yeah, well, yeah, okay, exactly. And this is this is the suggestion, okay, is to applaud the spirit of the idea, but explain the downside of inadvertently isolating women on separate teams. Instead of adding one woman to many teams, we recommend putting groups of a few women on teams together. And if you're in a position to do so, suggest that your company create opportunities for women only to connect with other women, such as networking groups, also surface that this is a symptom of a larger problem. Um, your company likely needs to hire more women so that it's not even an issue that you need to do that. Um, and then it says why it happens. It says when women are underrepresented in organisations, as they often are, they tend to be spread thinly across teams, which means they stand out. And women of colour are even more likely to be onlys. Since there are fewer of them in corporate America, and this is American stats. This underrepresentation can make the biases women face especially pronounced. With everyone's eyes on them, they can often be heavily scrutinized and held to get held to higher standards. And as a result, they feel pressure to perform on guard and left out and may be less likely to speak up and contribute fully. Right. Okay. I think I mean that's I got really interesting because I suppose with that scenario whereby um, if I, I was directed to put a woman in each individual group, that's a very top line um, approach because what it's doing in that sense is like, so I actually, I answered the question, I answered that scenario by saying that it would depend on many factors. One of them was in, I mentioned personality, that conflict, and also um, I mentioned about um, progression. And so if you're, I know, because 
because I know I suppose I'm sharing I'm going to be sharing from my own experience whereby I was working I used to work in the advertising industry and it's a very cutthroat industry and there's some very strong personalities both male and female in that particular industry but at the same time there's also a lot of creatives who are who can be quite introverted and so that's the idea of personality whereby if you're putting teams together um, you go on merit and let's say for example there's a female in that um, in in that selection group and they are of a very strong personality I wouldn't hesitate of, about putting that that woman in a group where she's on her own with males because I know there's she's got a very strong personality and she can hold that room and she's mm. confident in speaking her voice and speaking her mind and speaking her opinions whereas if I knew that there was um a male who's more of an introvert and has lots of merit that's when I would probably consider okay who else does this individual work well with and I can put them both in the same group and so it's a very top line um, scenario to only say okay because some women may not feel as confident on their own in, in a group to then also tag everyone and tarnish every every woman with the same brush. Yeah. It's, it's deeper than that. And that's why I was saying it's top line. Yeah, exactly. And that's why it's a discussion, really good point you make. Not all women behave this way, but this is talking about the stats and the standards existing in America when they pr produce these scenarios. And so what's interesting here, what I think this is really about is it's about underrepresentation. So to even have to say, oh, um, can you make sure there's at least one woman in each team means there's not enough women because that should naturally happen when you're creating teams if you've got, you know, enough women in your organisation. It should yeah. just be, a, it should just happen. So that's obviously why there's a need to have diversity in teams. Diverse teams, you're generally more successful. Unlike you point out it's not just diversity of gender it's diversity of personality skills merit ability that's absolutely a part a part of absolutely valid point that's what you're looking at but also you've got to consider that if you have underrepresentation you'll have you may have you may have not always women that haven't had the opportunity to show their potential or to reach their potential see that's something else to consider and it's really good that that's what you you would have done anyway with teams you're considering people's potential and a growth to grow so that's wonderful um but i think specifically for this scenario it's more about the fact that there's already under representation and looking at the other perspective of being only only woman in the team which can have completely different dynamics because it's okay if you've got, you feel confident and you've got a voice. I've had this myself. Yes, I, I would consider myself very confident and, and very confident, happy to speak up. But if I feel, I'll be honest, if I feel that I'm the only and there's a lot of other strong personalities, I'm, I'm not as confident to speak up. That's just, that's me. And like I say, you're like you say, you know, every woman is different. So I think it does help to consider that only factor and the impact it can have on the dynamics of people um, yeah. in, a, in a group. Yeah, and I think you've definitely hit the nail on the head, Tracy, when you say about that scenario whereby, um, you know, you know, I said about, I'd question that, but um, you've hit the nail on the head when you said about, well, it, that situation is, it's probably only come about because there's not enough women there in the first place. So in, in, in essence, it's about going back to the origin. You know? Yeah, well done. That was your first. What would you do? <laughs> wasn't so bad. So uh, again, 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 it's great food for thought. Thought and um, again, we've yeah slightly digressed, but um, but yeah, definitely, and it takes me back to my previous advertising days when um, in those scenarios. Um, but again, in advert in the world of advertising, especially nowadays, there's and I was very fortunate enough to work for an organisation where there was representation. In fact, um. Uh, the majority of the departments were led by women mm. um, and um, and that wasn't deliberate it was again based on it was all based on talent and merit and it just happened to fall that way mm. um, so and I was fortunate enough to work for an organization um, that obviously um, um, celebrated diversity it's great it's really fortunate like you say yeah 
All right, that is it. That concludes us because we are a bit over. Right, okay. (laughs) Thank you. And it's a pleasure. Your first podcast was a wrap. That's right. That's right. So uh, yeah, that was that was really very enjoyable. So um, uh, yeah, definitely. I'm I'm loving the fact that it raises so many um questions and lots of thoughts and lots of digression happening there. So um, yeah, and I'm hoping that it will um it will get people thinking and chatting and discussing. So um, yeah, it's great. Go. All right, well, we'll be back next week for more discussion and chatting and thinking. See you later. Bye, Tracy. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have as much fun with us today as we did. If what you heard resonated with you, don't forget to show the love and like our YouTube channel, All One with Tracy G. Give us a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform is lucky enough to have this episode because they rock too. Feel free to email us stories or questions at alloneinclusive at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter if updating yourself about everything which goes down sounds like something right up your alley at tracygandu.com. Until the next time, see ya!